Well, if you're a thankful person, would you stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the the wonderful word of the Lord. Amen. I know the kids make fun of me for that, but that's all right. I got to give them something to make fun of. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5. Well, it's just called the law of sowing and reaping because I used to be a kid sitting in the, in the pew making fun of the preacher, so now it just comes back to you. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. We're looking at the book of Ephesians chapter 5 as we start a brand new series. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're starting a brand new series. Book of Ephesians, chapter number 5, and verse number 20. Are you ready? Ephesians, chapter 5, verse number 20. The Apostle Paul writes, and he says, give thanks always. Say always. Always. Give thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I am so grateful. I am so grateful thankful today. Lord, with, Lord, I could just stand up here all day long and just recite all of those many things, Lord, that I am so grateful and so thankful for. I thank you, Lord, today for this wonderful group of people. What a, what a, what a lovely crowd we have this morning. Thank you for their faithfulness to your house. Thank you for the word of God that's a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. God, I just pray one more time, the anointing of the Holy Spirit will come upon your servant today. God, help us to speak forth, Lord, the word that you have birthed in our heart and burned in our spirit today. God, give us ears to hear the word of the Lord and help us not just listen today, but let us heed the word of God and let us put into practice the word that we receive. We ask all of these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. You can be reseated. This morning. Well, I, I don't know about you, but this is my favorite time of the year. I love November. And there are many, many reasons why I love November. First of all, I love fall. I absolutely love fall. It's my favorite time of the year. I love to see the trees turn all different shades of color. And I'm so grateful that I finally live in a place that have a few trees. Amen. I was in West Texas for 20 years. I love the weather. The extreme heat is behind us, or at least it's supposed to be, and and the cold hasn't started yet. And Thanksgiving is my very favorite holiday. The food, the family time, the the few days off work, my well, what's not to love? What's not to love? And, And it's a whole lot cheaper. Than Christmas. <laughs> if you were to ask me for a list of essentials that would help you on your road to happiness, at the top of the list somewhere would be this, and that's what we're going to talk about for the next four weeks, and that is learn to practice thanks living. Develop a thankful heart. Stop taking everything for granted and start appreciate, appreciating even the smallest of blessings. And don't just be thankful when you reach your destination, but learn to enjoy the journey. When my kids lived at home and we would take a trip, they would constantly ask, how much farther? When are we going to get there? Are we there yet And my standard answer was always enjoy 
the journey. Enjoy the journey. You see, the journey is as much of the experience as the destination. And I believe that somebody needs to learn this lesson today, and that is enjoy the journey. See, see, if you can only enjoy the destination, then you're going to spend most of your time void of enjoyment. Learn to practice thanks living. Slow down and smell the roses. Don't be so laser focused that you miss all of the scenery along the way. And, and by, all, by all means, don't wait for the fourth Thursday of November each year to have your one day of thanksgiving. Instead, develop an attitude of gratitude. Learn to practice thanks living each and every day of the year. Well, today we're going to be, begin a brand new series, and I'm calling it Thanks Living. Thanks Living. And for the next four Sundays, we're going to be talking about four separate things that we should be thankful for. Today's target is thankful for family. Thankful. How many of you are thankful for your family? Thankful. For, man, I, I, I want to tell you, this is one of my very favorite, favorite subjects in the whole world. In fact, these, both of these are thanks and family. Thankful for family. Now, I also realize that that in a room this size, there are a varied number of different types and conditions of families. In this group of people here this morning, there is the ideal family. But there's also the broken family. And there's the blended family. And there's the struggling family. And there's the dysfunctional family. And probably even the Adams family. <laughs> no doubt there are single people here today who wish they were married, and there are married people here who wish they were single. <laughs> Did you hear about the, the old couple who were both hard of hearing? And they were talking, and, and the elderly husband said to his wife, he said, he said, after all of these many years of marriage, he said, I have, I have found you to be tried and true. She said, what? He said, after all of these years of being married, he said, I have found you to be tried and true. She said to him, well, after all of these years, I'm tired of you too. Well, today we're going to talk about the happy family, the happy family. And by the way, by the way, if you don't have a happy family or, or if your family is not what you wished it was, let me tell you this morning that God's family can become your family. If you are a child of God, that means God has adopted you and has placed you in his family. Oh, the psalmist wrote in Psalm 27 and 10, he said, Though my father and my mother forsake me, yet the Lord will adopt me. And the psalmist said in Psalm 68 and verse 5, God is a father to the fatherless, and he is a defender of the widow. I want to suggest three things about a happy family today. Three things about a happy family. Let's talk about, first of all, let's talk about the requirements. The requirements for a 
happy family. Let's, let's look over in the book of Ephesians again, chapter 5 again, but let's drop down to verse number 21. And verse number 21 says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And then Paul gives some direction here. He says, wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Chapter 6, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it might be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Let's talk a little bit this morning about the requirements for a happy family. Well, Pastor, what must be in place in the family in order for it to be happy? Well, let me suggest three things. And the first one is priorities must be in order. Priorities must be in order. See, proper priorities are a prerequisite for a happy family. I would suggest to you that that if you have your priorities out of order, your family will be out of order as well. You might say, well, pastor, what are our proper priorities? Well, thanks for asking. I just happen to have the answer. Our number one, write these down this morning, number one, our number one priority. We're talking about the priorities of our life. The number one priority is our relationship with God. Above and beyond everything else, the number one priority in our life is our relationship with God. Now, now I'm not talking about our ministry. I'm not talking about our involvement in church. I'm talking about our personal relationship with God. That should be number one. We should build our entire life upon that foundation. Second priority we should have in our life is our spouse. If we're married, our spouse should be number one. Not number one, God is number one, but our spouse should be number two. Number three comes our children, if we have children. And I would tell you this morning, do not get number two and number three mixed up. And a lot of reason why there's a lot of problems in, pro- in families today and why there's a lot of divorces today is because people have their priorities out of line. And they have number two and they have number three mixed up. And I know, Mama, I know when that precious one comes to live in your house and they're so sweet and they're so tender and you carried him for nine months and, and I understand, man, that, you know, and you bond with that child. I understand. It's very, very easy. It's very, and, you, and then you look over at that, you know, that snoring, uh, hairy-chested husband of yours. <laughs> I 
Number one is our relationship with God. Number two is our spouse. Number three is our children. And don't get number two and number three mixed up. Listen, you began your marriage without kids, or hopefully you did. And you will end without them in your home, hopefully. (laughs) You know, when the kids move out, some people have empty nest syndrome and other people change the locks. The fourth priority is our work or our vocation. And number five is our ministry for God. Our ministry for God. Our church attendance. Our church volunteering. Our ministry. And everyone should have a ministry, amen, in the church and outside of the church. And then number six is everything else. Just figure out the rest of it as you go down the line. So what are our priorities? Our priorities, number one, our relationship with God. Number two, our spouse. Number three, our children. Number four, our work or vocation. Number five, our ministry for God. Number six, everything else. But here's what I know, and that is life is busy and life gets messy, and so we are pulled on in every direction, and it's very easy to allow our priorities to get all out of whack. And too often the squeaky wheel gets the grease, and too often the loudest voices get our attention. But I ask you this morning, are they the right voices? Let me give you some practical advice here this morning. First of all, learn to say no to everybody but me, okay? No, learn to, learn to say no. Learn to say not now. Respond according to the importance of priority. Because I'm going to tell you this morning that at the end of the day, it all comes down to God and family. See, see strip away all of the non-essentials to a happy life and you'll be left with God and family. See, see, nobody requests, nobody requests to see all their stuff when they're lying on their deathbed. Notice another requirement for a happy family, that is principles must be established. Principles must be established. Clear boundaries must be drawn. Absolutes must be established. See, we must teach our kids, this is what we do in this house. I don't care what Jimmy John does in his house, but this is what we do in this house. And this is what we never do in this house. These are our rules. This is our code of conduct. This is where we draw the line. Here's how we treat one another. And these principles must not only be established, but they must be consistently enforced. Notice the third requirement for a happy family, and that is promises must be kept. Promises must be kept. See, nothing disappoints a child more than broken promises. And let me tell you this, and that is broken promises develop a lack of trust in a child. And they will take that lack of trust with them into every relationship going forward. And I also say this, broken promises can also contribute to an unhappy marriage. Oh, I wish I had 30 minutes to camp here this morning, but I don't. I must move on. 
All right, we've talked a little bit, just a little bit, about some requirements for a happy family. Now let's talk about the recommendations, the recommendations of a happy family. I've had my family now for 45 years, and so I'm just going to give you some things that I think this morning. I, I just want to give you some of my personal recommendations for a happy family. Let's read some scripture, Proverbs 23 and 24. Uh, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 24 and 25, says, The father of a righteous man has great joy. He who has a wise son delights in him. May your father and your mother be glad. May she who gave you birth rejoice. Let me give you four things to do that I believe will promote happiness in your family. The first one is, I would suggest that you pray with your family. Pray with your family. Somebody said, the family that prays together stays together. Make Jesus the center of your home. Don't promote just a Sunday morning Jesus. Come to church as a family. And then... And then when you go home, talk about what you learned at church as you sit around the lunch table. And I say this quite often, and I almost scratched it out, but I think I just need to keep saying it. Keep your criticism of the church to yourself. Because how can your children grow up loving the church that you are consistently bad-mouthing? Have family devotions at bedtime. And set a good example of a godly mom and dad before them. And do not be a hypocrite. I'll give you some recommendations for a happy family. First of all, pray with your family. And then I would also suggest that you play with your family. Play with your family. Be a fun parent. Don't don't be so serious all the time. Lighten up, chill out, enjoy your kids. Go places together, do things together, attend all of their events. Hear this this morning, hear this. Your involvement with them reveals your importance to them. And hear this this morning, if you don't hear anything else, Shame on you, but if you don't hear anything else, hear this this morning. Listen, listen. The time you give them as a child, the time you give them as a child will determine the time they will give you when they grow up. My kids never come home. Well, did you spend any time with them when they were growing up? Did you teach them that you value them? Did you teach them that they're important to you? To you? The third thing I would suggest is prepare your family. Proverbs 22 and 6 says to train up a child in the way that he should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Now, a lot of people take that out of context. A lot of people say, well, you know, you know, the Bible says I'll just train them the way they'll go. They'll always serve Jesus. No, it doesn't say that. It says they'll not depart from it. Whatever you put in their heart, whatever you put in their spirit, whatever you saturate their life with, they'll never be able to get away from that teaching and that training. They may go the way of the world, but they're not going to have a whole lot of fun out there, and they're not going to do it without a whole lot of guilt. 
Set your kids up for success. Instill in them the right values. Instill in them. Oh, model integrity and morality and tenacity before them. Teach them how to work hard for what they get. No, no, it's a whole lot easier to do it for them than it is to require them to do it. But at the very earliest of age, teach them. Teach them how to pick up their toys. Teach them how to make their bed. Teach them how to work hard for what they get. Don't don't teach them entitlement by handing everything to them on a silver platter. Make sure they have some skin in the game. Just because you can afford to do it for them doesn't mean you should. I'm not talking about not helping our kids. I'm saying don't don't make them, you know, don't cause them to become entitled. Make them think they're going to live on easy street all the rest of their life. Amen. Prepare them. Prepare them for the struggles and the heartbreaks and the disappointments that knock on the door of every life. Show them how to be humble in victory and how to practice good sportsmanship in defeat. And prepare them for the real world that shows up the day they walk out of mom and daddy's house. See, as parents, we want to shelter our kids. We want them to have it easier than we had it. We want them to have it better than we had it. Oh, oh, we want to shelter our kids. And I understand. Believe me, I understand this. But hear me this morning. If we are not very, very careful, we will overshelter them. And when entering the real world, they will be unprepared. And it's a balancing act. Love your kids enough to discipline them. When Chad was six weeks old, I stuck him in the corner. He was being a bad boy. And I took his little, what is that, what are those things called? Little carrier? Took his little carrier and turned his nose to the wall. You've been a bad boy. Aren't you glad? I don't know how my kids grew up loving me. I don't know. Love your kids enough to discipline them. Love them enough enough to allow them to stand on their own two feet. Allow them enough, uh, love them enough to, to allow them to get knocked down a time or two. Let them stay down a little bit. Love them enough to prepare them for life. And then love them enough to let them go when the time comes. And I'm going to tell you, and I will tell you with my daughter sitting right here, that when you turn them loose and you let them go, they will not always do what you want them to do. I always knew whatever, I knew what my daughter was going to do. Whatever Chad did, she was doing the opposite. They will not always do what you want them to do. But if you did your job in preparing them, they will be okay. And then finally, praise your family. Your family should be your number one fans. 
And you should be a cheerleader for every member of your family. And dads, I know it's not Father's Day, but listen up this morning. Listen up, dads. Dad, dad, your child's self-esteem is dependent upon your affirmation. Kids need affection from mama. And they need it from daddy too. Don't get me wrong. But kids have, a, have a, an incredible need for affection from mama, but they need affirmation from dad. And kids never outgrow this need no matter how old they get. Praise your family. Encourage and admonish each other. Lift each other up. Resist the temptation to compete with one another. Instead, choose to complete each other. And parents, never, ever, never, ever, never, ever compare your kids to each other. Never show favoritism. Our series is called Thanks. Living, listen, listen, if we are thankful for our family, if we, will, if we will appreciate our family, if we will develop our family, if we will make our family a priority, I believe with all of my heart, our lives will be enriched and much more satisfying. All right, we've talked a little bit, don't have a lot of time, to, when I could spend an hour on all of these, but we've talked a little bit about the requirements for a happy family, we've talked a little bit about some recommendations for a happy family. Quickly, quickly this morning and briefly, I want to mention the reward. For a happy family. The rewards. Psalm 127 verse 3 says, Children are a reward from the Lord. They're what? A burden? Life for me really began after I married and had kids. When I have the opportunity to develop, to develop my very own personal family, that's when life really got started for me. For me, family is everything. I'll just tell you straight up, I love you, but I don't love you near as much as I love my family. I love my family. Family's everything. I love all my family. And don't even get me started on grandkids. (laughs) I hold several titles. I have different titles. But my very favorite is Pawpaw. Pawpaw. Man, it's nothing like being Pawpaw. Briefly mention three rewards of a happy family. Really quick, three rewards of a happy family. The first one is purpose. We talk a lot about purpose around here, and a lot of you still don't know what your purpose is. And I've made it so easy, but let me help you again. If you struggle with discovering your life's purpose, start, say start, start by looking at your family. Because outside of your relationship with God, your number one purpose in life is your family. And God placed you in the family you're in. So don't envy somebody else's family. Discover the role that you are supposed to play in your own. 
Families need one another. Families should be able to depend on one another. So ask yourself this morning, ask yourself, what is my role in this family? What is my role? And ask yourself this question, what do I have to contribute to this family? Ask yourself this question, am I an asset or a liability? Everybody's got an Uncle Ed, don't they? I'm not talking a literal name, but Uncle Ed, you know, that comes to all the family gatherings and messes up all the family gatherings. Everything's great till Uncle Ed gets there. You got an Uncle Ed. I got a couple of them. Ask yourself, am I an asset or am I an Uncle Ed? Am I a liability to this family? Ask this question. Oh, this is a good question this morning. Do I make more deposits or do I make more withdrawals in the account of my family? What is my role as a son or a daughter? What is my role as a mate? What is my role as a parent? What is my role as a grandparent? See, see successfully fulfilling these God-given roles can give you purpose. Your job may not give you purpose, but your family can give you purpose. Notice another reward that comes through a happy family, and that is peace. See, see, families either promote peace or they prevent it. The atmosphere of your house can either be like hell or it can be a haven. And ladies, don't get mad at me, and you can correct it when you preach, okay? But here's what I've discovered. More often than not, the wife and mother of the home is the thermostat. She determines the emotional temperature of that home. More often than not, always, but more often than not. And I cannot tell you how many times I've said to my wife, thank you, Thank you for not being drama. And thank you for being low maintenance. I can't speak for you this morning, but I love my home. I love my home. I love to pull in my garage. I love to pull down the garage door. I love to walk into my home. And when I walk into my home, I leave the world behind me. My house is a safe place. It's a shelter from life's storms. It's a place I feel secure. It's a place I feel special. It's a place I find support. I would encourage you this morning, make your home a haven. Promote peace in your home. But not only will you find purpose and peace in a happy home or in a happy family, but also prosperity. Yes, prosperity. See, see, true riches are not determined by your net worth, but by what is truly valuable in life. If you have a rich relationship with God and family, you are enjoying true prosperity no matter what the balance is in your bank account. I have a nice home. 
I drive a nice automobile. I have a successful career. I have some big boy toys. But I'm going to tell you this morning that nothing, I'm telling you absolutely nothing, gives me more joy. Nothing gives me more satisfaction than the joy that comes to me through my wife, my kids, and my my grandkids. You're looking at a rich man here this morning. I'm a rich man. I'm wealthy this morning, not so much in dollars and cents, but in in the true riches of a happy family. Get some help on the platform this morning. Our takeaway today is one of God's greatest gifts to man is family. May we never take this gift for granted. Father, I just pray today that you'll take your incredible, infallible, life-altering, life-changing word. And do what needs to be done in the heart and the life of the people here today. Father, we ask all of these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.